This is a CNA podcast. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. A sudden bacterial infection that can lead to swelling in the brain. Sudden, potentially overnight, out of nowhere, and it could kill. This is something that that shockingly happened to one of the most influential rock guitarists of all time recently. That's Jeff Beck. The musician, of course, first rose to fame as part of the Yardbirds, where he replaced Eric Clapton on that uh, band. And then, of course, he formed groups like the Jeff Beck Group with Rod Stewart. He is known to be a blues rock innovator, and it was announced that he died from bacterial meningitis at the age of 78. How sudden can this be, and why does it strike, and could you be at risk? Dr. Leong Honam is here, infectious diseases physician out of Rofi Clinic. Dr. Leong, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you, Daniel. What is bacterial meningitis? Bacterial meningitis. Meningitis refers to inflammation of the brain lining. And commoners would like to call it brain infection. And bacterial type describe the kind of pathogen, the kind of germs. As we know, there are viruses, bacterial parasites, and even fungi. So in this case, it's a bacteria that's causing an inflammation of the brain. So uh, this bacterial infection, I mean, we get infections all the time. How come they don't always infect the brain? I mean, is it a certain type of bacteria only? We thank God for that because bacterial meningitis is really a terrible, terrible complication with high mortality, if not high morbidity thereafter. Now, when you actually have brain inflammation, wherever the inflammation occurs, there's a risk for subsequent damage and injury. So you would imagine damage to the brain structures and the person cognitively can be poorer. We do have many bacterial infections from the pneumonia to the urine to the gut, but the brain is protected by what we call the blood brain barrier, the Mm. triple Bs. The blood brain barriers will try to filter and block off all these infections. But some infection does get the better of the body, crosses the blood brain barrier and causes inflammation there. And one classic organism causes the pneumonia infections in many of us, the young and the old, the old player pneumococcus or streptococcal pneumonia. And you will have, we have introduced the vaccine previously mm. in other programs. That infection, once in a while, perhaps 3% of the time, can cross and hit the brain and cause severe infection. So how I've heard this is so serious that in some cases, some people with the uh, bacterial infection could die within as little as a few hours. It can be that quick acting. I would rather say about 24 hours. Really? Now, there, there are many different causes of bacterial meningitis. The ones which we see in Singapore are usually caused by streptococcal pneumonia uh, and But elsewhere, uh, there is, especially in the Middle Eastern Belt, there is something called meningococcus. Mm. Meningococcus strikes the brain, and within 24 hours of onset of symptoms, the person could die. That is very fatal with little opportunity for intervention. Hence, for that, we actually strongly encourage a vaccine to prevent meningococcal meningitis. Now, let's be very clear. The guitarist we are not sure what's the actual pathogen causing bacterial meningitis. Was it the meningococcal one or was it the streptococcal pneumonia or something else that's a bit atypical? But whatever it is, this is something we don't wish on our worst enemy. 
right? Because you could contract it quite easily and randomly in public? It is not that common to get it. We probably just have under 100 cases of bacterial meningitis in Singapore a year, but each case is dramatic, it is scarring and traumatizing. So we are very cautious of it. We always ask about meningitis the moment you have a headache. And headache is a very common symptom. And let's, let's be frank, all of us have a headache. Oh, yeah. What is a bacterial meningitis headache and what isn't? Yeah, exactly. How are you going to distinguish that, right? I mean, that's where the clinical assessment comes into play and then the high index of suspicion that would have to happen. But would there be a specific kind of exposure that has to happen for it to jump? Well, no, the nature of the bacteria allows it to jump the blood-brain barrier, is it? I mean, it doesn't have to be like or, um, a, a cut or a wound that was exposed to soil in a farmland or something like that. No, not so much. It is very much the ability of the bacteria to evade the immune processes and defenses of the body. Mm. So it can cross a blood-brain barrier as if it's hot knife through cheese. So it would be quite easy in that sense. How are these now, transmitted, meningococcal and, and, and uh, the pneumococcal, for example? Airborne? <laughs> yes, the same old playbook, droplet <laughs> transmission. And unfortunately, for those parents who are taking their, sending their children overseas for study, when our kids go off to the pubs, go off to the meeting areas with their friends, in the first three to seven days in school, when they live in the hostel, they have highest risk of acquiring this germ inside the back of the pharynx. Mm. And when there's a trigger, such as a cigarette smoke or sore throat, the germ will just make use of that, enter into the respiratory tract, travel right to the brain and cause brain infections. Gosh. You know, this has come up in some other interviews, and I wonder if it's true, whether you've heard of it as well. Um, Some doctors have talked about, like, don't squeeze your pimples, because if you squeeze it, there's some evidence or studies that show that sometimes that can travel back into the brain or something like that. Is that similar to what we're talking about? Not really. That's contiguous infection. And there's a triangle of safety, which is just over... uh, between the nose and the cheeks, there's a triangle of safety, danger rather. There's a triangle of danger between the nose and the cheeks. If you have a pimple there when you squeeze, the pimple instead of going out to the front where it's safe, pops backwards into the venous system and embolizes into the brain venous system. Mm. You have immediately a vein infection, a brain infection, and you can lose your eyesight in a matter of hours. But it doesn't lead to the inflammation of the, the brain does. lining. It does as well. It does. It does as well, simply because it's all contiguous. I see. Okay, so what is the message here at the end of the day? You talked about the power, once again, of the vaccine. And we've got the vaccines for, you know, pneumococcal. We've got the meningococcal vaccine as well. If we're up to date with things like that, are we protected against something like a bacterial meningitis in scenario? Uh, we are good up to vaccinations. It helps tremendously. But because you're tuning into this program, I want to you in on what symptoms of meningitis is. Yes. You, you tend to get very bad headaches. You tend to get photophobia. That means you are fearful of light. If you look at a bright light, like the lamp on top of your head, look at it. If you find it painful, that's photophobia. It suggests that your brain meninges or your brain lining is infected. Number three, you have problems flexing your neck and your chin cannot touch the front part of your chest. When you do that, when you have problems with that, it tells you the back of your neck is annoyed, irritated. It doesn't allow you to bend forward. This tells you you may have a bacterial infection around the meninges or the lining of the brain. When that happens, see a doctor as soon as possible. Literally drop what you're doing, 
run to see the doctor. Yes, because as we've discussed earlier on, time is of the essence here. This is a very fast-acting scenario. Yes, what and can... mind you, once the virus, once the bacteria damages an organ, damages a cell, you lose a cell and you lose IQ points. Mm. What can be done, though? Vaccines, unfortunately, is one. Number two, do give up cigarette smoking. Cigarette smoking, unfortunately, is a real risk for it. Mm. Number three, crowded places. I think it's unavoidable. But mm. if you can avoid crowded places, it would be excellent. And at that point in time, if somebody were to go to the clinic with those symptoms, do we have options? Are there interventions that can help? We, the doctor would examine, would assess, and if you need to, they will admit you to the hospital immediately. Mm. We would do what we call a scan of the brain and very quickly sample the fluid surrounding the brain with a procedure called lumbar puncture. It's a small needle inserted at the back of the spine and this will tap the water that's contiguous to the lining around the brain. If you see white cells in the fluid, it means there's a fight going on in the spinal fluid, fight in the brain, and you would have meningitis. Helping you understand bacterial meningitis, this infection of the membranes covering the brain and spinal cord, which was retributed as the cause of death for famed UK musician Jeff Beck, just announced recently. We'll find out more in the next segment about the latest research into long COVID. So researchers in Israel analyzed the medical records of nearly 2 million people of all ages. What they were looking for uh, were patterns and results in terms of how long they were dealing with things like Delta. Remember, this was the research has been done in the past. Omicron wasn't part of the mix at that time, okay? But it was, you know, this is an ongoing developing issue. We have to look at the data. We, this is all new information. But 2 million, really 2 million people of all ages, that's very, very heartening to see those numbers. And some indications were given in terms of the fact that long COVID symptoms, for most people, for most mild cases, might actually clear up. What does this tell us to our growing knowledge of long COVID itself? Dr. Leong Honam joins us, infectious disease physician out of Rofi Clinic. Dr. Leong, long COVID, are we still very concerned about it in Singapore? Do we see a lot of evidence of it here? Absolutely. I am so pleased that we have some positive light at the end of the tunnel. Now, long COVID is the curse which you don't wish upon your worst enemy. Yeah. You end up with brain fall, you can't go back to what you were working, life would never be the same. But seeing that majority of the patients do recover within a year, I mean, it gives some hope to the patients. It gives some hope to those people with long COVID. And there are many long COVID sufferers out there. It runs the range though, right? From the mild to the serious in terms of the long COVID symptoms, or is it usually the serious ones? Okay, we do see a lot of serious ones. And unfortunately, they come and see me. They can't get out of bed. They can't go back to their usual routines. Life is totally different. They can't think the way they used to think. Doing their mental exercises, their usual work, they just can't accomplish it. And going to work, even for one to two hours, they just can't cope. It is really that bad. It's like a bad flu hangover that just refuses to let go even after three to six months. And why is that? Is that because the respiratory parts of the body are still being affected? We don't understand why. We think it might be a remnant of the virus that's left behind and hence Pfizer is doing a trial on their drug Paxlovid to see if it helps out with the virus. Number two, do we think it's an immune system that's overgoing that has gone out of sorts 
and it's still stimulating other parts of the body? Or is it the microbiome? That means the gut bacteria inside your body that's changed. And because of that, your body's response is totally different. The short answer is we are very, very far away from the, the answer. And if you want to put it very rudely, uh, the doctor's an idiot and the patient's pathetic because mm. this is idiopathic. <laughs> That's a new one. That's a new one for me. I've not heard that one. Doc, I'm curious, what do you think about this research findings uh, from this Israeli study? Again, it was looking at mainly uh, the Delta variant because Omicron wasn't part of that study at that time. Ongoing developing uh, studies, but still 2 million um, records that were able to comb through. What do you think? I, am, I think it's positive. For one, we do know that the more severe your symptoms are, the more likely you're going to get long COVID. Mm. But having said that, I do have patients with very mild diseases who end up with long COVID. Number two, vaccinations do help. And if you have had the booster shot, the risk of you getting long COVID is lower compared to someone who's unvaccinated or just had two shots. We do know that when you take the antiviral agent Paxlovid, whilst you're having the disease, it lowers down the risk of long COVID by about 30%. We think the drug monopiravir will help, but we haven't seen the scientific data for that yet. And certainly when you do get COVID, please don't try to climb Mount Everest yeah. or do something exertional. Try to take your rest because the faster you rest, the earlier you recover, the faster you get back your energy, the less likely you're going to get long COVID. So why do you think it's clearing up within 12 months for most mild cases as this study found? Is it just the body healing? I think it's a resetting back. Be it the immune system overdrive that has now been tuned down, or is it the microbiome that's been changed because of COVID ah. is changing back because you're eating your usual foods? Or is it that the virus suddenly could be controlled? Those were remnant parts of it stuck somewhere and the immune system finally controlled it after months of failure. Something kicked in. We're not too sure what kicks it in. Perhaps what you really need is time. Dr. Leong, let's talk a little bit about this idea of some of the symptoms that have been described with long COVID. People say loss of smell and taste, breathing problems, the weakness, the palpitations, the dizziness, the, that brain fog that happens. When you, as you've been treating patients throughout all of this, have you noticed this anecdotally as well, that after about a year, things are getting better for them? I do have many patients who start turning around at about three to six months. Mm. It is extremely crucial that the doctor supports the individual. Do not, do not just belittle the symptoms because this is a real syndrome. This is, these are real symptoms. Uh, we, we, many doctors will tend to belittle them because the blood tests are all normal, the right. examination is all normal, and we can't explain it. Well, we can't explain it. I'm sorry, doctor, you're rather stupid. Mm. It's not that we don't, that this disease doesn't exist, but we have failed to describe it. And when I say failed to describe it, we have even failed to define long COVID accurately. Right. And I'm just going to touch on that very quickly. Many people will put their hands and say, I've got long COVID because I've got persistent cough. The answer, no. Persistent cough is due to many, many, they are due to many, many reasons. And one of which is covered in my Rofi Clinic YouTube. If you have a persistent cough after, long, after COVID, please watch it. We can help you down there. But the long COVID, which we usually talk about, refers to individuals who cannot think. They have this brain fog or poor cognition. 
the usual ability to think straight or work through problems is lost. So this is really the crux of long COVID. The rest of it, persistent fatigue, maybe. Persistent cough, unlikely. Breathlessness, maybe. Uh, I do have a couple of patients with severe pain after COVID. Yes, that will be it as well. But having cough is not one of them. So we have not we have failed to define long COVID properly, which makes the diagnosis and description and the measurement of the treatment outcomes difficult. We don't even have a test to confirm this is long COVID or otherwise. Mm. So we are really shooting in the dark. And this explains the problems with the, uh, with the investigations and the studies. And I suspect it is actually a big basket of different causes resulting in long COVID. But we're just putting all together and we just don't know where to start. So really, it's it's growing evidence like this Israeli study is important, but again, we're adding two, things might change, but at least it's a sign in the positive direction. And I guess the key takeaway here is going to back, what, what, going back to what you were describing earlier, our best defense is, is going back to the basics once again. It's it's having being up to date with your booster shots. And if you're an at-risk person who's been infected with COVID and if you're on some of those antivirals, that could potentially reduce the risk of long COVID developing as well. Yes. And I'm going to add on one point. You went for your fourth shot, yeah. which is your second booster. A booster shot has a 50% chance of snapping you out of long COVID. But 17% will have their long COVID worsen. And for the rest of the 33%, nothing changes. So when you do go for a booster shot, you may change your life altogether, Mm -hmm. but it may trigger long COVID again. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why? It is really challenging. It is going to be one of the most enigmatic viruses in the entire human human experience yeah. I, I, and I can tell you um, I've met a couple of patients very recently who had severe intolerance to pain after COVID they were well people before but after that they're just severe intolerance to pain <sighs> Uh, it's it's just amazing what COVID is teaching us. It's literally teaching us how to rewrite the whole medical text. The truth is, I mean, it is affecting us possibly in ways that we don't even know about Correct. right now. Correct. And only time will tell and more interviews will tell as well. Dr. Leong, thank you so much for your time today. (laughs) Listen to more of my Health Matters podcasts at cna.asia slash listen. Scroll to CNA 938 On Demand and click on the Health Matters podcast. I'm Daniel Martin. Dr. Leong Honam is infectious disease physician out of the Rofi Clinic. Thank you for joining us. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.